You're listening to the Batuta Advocates Weekly News Wrap on Desert Rock FM 96.5. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Weekly Bulletin, recording live here from Budgie Smuggler Studios in downtown Batuta. As always, you're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate, and this week, no Wendell Hussey. I don't know what he's doing. He's piss farting around. He's, he's got a big weekend. I think he's got a bucks on, doesn't he? Yeah. Errol, Errol, how are you, Errol? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Uh, feeling a bit rough, rough as a cat's tongue, as they say. But I'm looking forward to getting spear tackled into the cricket pitch tomorrow. Running out there for the Mutterborough sources. Oh yeah, up the mighty mutts. I'll be at the Wall of Knowledge in the front bar of the Mutterborough sources footy club. Uh, yeah, it should be a good time. Anyway, up first in the news this week. Borders shouldn't be a political tool, says bloke who locks up toddlers to impress people. Yes, talking about the Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton here, who's made a real point this week of claiming that the borders shouldn't be politicised, state borders to be specific, in his attack of Anastasia Palaszczuk and her strict COVID-19 directions. Despite the fact as the man in charge of immigration and home affairs, his entire political career has been based off doing just that. We're of course talking about, you know... Peter Dutton, because he is responsible ultimately for the Biloela toddlers being locked up on Christmas Island. But he is blowing up deluxe about Anastasia Palaszczuk playing hardball on our borders up here to try and keep that Melbourne virus out of our great state, Clancy. Yes, a comment on that one. Brendan Parsons said, Funny how people will quote the UN Charter of Human Rights when they don't want to wear a mask, but when it comes to legal obligations to accept refugees, dot, dot, dot. Fair point there, Brendan Parsons. Yes, might be time to take Parliament House back by force, Clancy. What's next? Report. Nine in ten encounters with Tasmanian Tigers are filmed on a Nokia 3200. Yes, the greatest Nokia of all time, in my opinion. I've still got a burner one, actually, but this report did find that for some reason, all footage captured of these rare creatures is more often than not filmed on cameras such as the one found on the Nokia 3210. Yes, very grainy, very low quality. Could maybe be to do with the quality of tech available down in the Apple aisle, but it also seems to be the case with all sightings of the various Black Panthers around Australia too. Every boring town seems to have a panther living around it. Yes, there's one in every town, Clancy, one in every town. Of course, we had the Batuta Panther here for many years until your brother Clive, he shot it through the head with a 22 Hornet, I believe, and now the... uh, it's down at the Royal Batuta Society for the, uh, the occult, isn't it? Down there on Harper Street. Yeah, it makes for a great rug, that one. Yeah, righto. Anyway, comment on that one. Neville Briggs is a fan of the Nokia 3200. He says, I used to have one, and one day a large brown snake made me jump when I was getting some firewood out the back. My much-loved Nokia fell out of my shirt pocket, and the snake snapped it up and disappeared back in the woodpile. Many days later, when all of my wood was used up, and there was my trusty phone, it had passed through the snake, snapping photos as it went and it still had two bars left on it. I'd include the photos for absolute confirmation, however, this forum doesn't allow me to, so you'll just have to take my word for it. Thank you. Yes, I do see that storytelling does run in the Briggs family, I see. Yes, yes, what a yarn that one was. That's uh, quite a large comment for uh, Facebook. And coming up next, we had a article uh, with the headline, alleged panic buyer, just a local dad doing the shopping for the first time in 30 years. Quite a scene this one was. Our reporter was down there hoping to shame who our newspaper thought was a panic buyer. Current affairs style, we're hoping to door stop him. But it turned out it was just some lost old boy with a heap of chips and toilet paper in his trolley. Yeah, to be honest, mate, when I read this article, I thought it was about you. But apparently, everyone down there was giving him a lot of space. They were pretty concerned that he was going to lash out like a concerned animal but you know the staff ended up helping him out of the store without too much hassle so I guess that's good. All's well and ends well. 
And up north, that's where you were this week, Errol. The Jeff Horn versus Tim Zhu fight marks Townsville's first tattoo-free punch-on since 1943. Yeah, the Ville was absolutely buzzing on Wednesday night, Clancy, but, you know, poor old Jeff got dealt with, and I had to deal with one lippy young fella afterwards on the strand, but we won't get too much into that. But, you know, it was quite the occasion up here in the deep north. That national service all that time ago serves you well, doesn't it, Errol? But uh, back to the main event. It was the first time two blokes without any tattoos fought in Townsville since 1943 when several American soldiers made the fatal error of flirting with some local nurses on the Strand, sparking extreme jealousy amongst the nearby unmarried Australian troops. And since that day, almost every fight to take place in the pubs or streets of Townsville have featured at least one koi fish sleeve or southern cross chest tat. So it was truly a momentous occasion. It is rare to see two clean skins uh, going the knuckle in, mm. in, in the deep north nowadays. It, it certainly is. I think the last one before that was uh, Robbie Catter and um, former treasurer Alexander Downer. Yep, that was in Cairns. Former foreign minister, I should say. That was in Cairns during Robbie's cowboy days. Was too. Finishing with some sports news, an Australian basketball courts were swamped after Luka Doncic inspires the nation's bitch-ass white boys with his three-pointer on the buzzer last week. Yep, well, I was one of those bitch-ass white boys down there on the courts after that. Clancy and like the cricket nets after the first day of summer, suburban courts were flooded early this week after the Dallas Mavericks star drained the three to win the game against the Los Angeles Clippers. And from Lane Cove to St. Lucia, the white boys were out in force. Yes, and Luca did that one after one of the Clippers players called him a bitch-ass white boy. So the game-winning shot had the middle class of suburban Australian basketball fans up and about. The next Dirk Nowitzki, they're saying. Geez, that's a bit rude on Shane Hill, arguably the greatest white man to ever play the sport of basketball. Love to power lay up old Hammer Hill, that's for sure. Anyway, that's all from us this week. Thank you for listening to the Batuta Advocate Weekly Bulletin. Uh, you look after yourselves, enjoy your weekend, and stay out of the pokies. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you.